Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, asking for help. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, please introduce our guest. Oh, yes, Jeff. We're very happy to have Elaine taylor Kloss with us today. For over a decade, Elaine struggled as a mom in an ADHD++ family of five. After discovering that a coach approach dramatically helped her and her entire family, she co-founded ImpactADHD.com, the first virtual parent coaching support organization for parents of complex kids. In 2020, Impact ADHD expanded to become Impact Parents. A master certified coach, Elaine has served as a parent advisor for the American Academy of Pediatrics and is on the National Board of CHAD. In addition to serving as CEO of Impact Parents and providing private coaching for adults worldwide, Elaine co-hosts the Parenting with Impact podcast. She is a frequent contributor to Attitude and Attention magazines, is co-author of Parenting ADHD Now, Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, and she is author of the 2020 number one new release, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids with ADHD, Anxiety, and More. So, Jeff, we're so glad to have Elaine with us today. Elaine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Always love having you on. Can't wait to learn something new today. <laughs> it's what we um, do well together, my friend. We do. It's a lot of fun. Um, I think you're like, you and Ari are our most frequent guests, which is testament because you guys are great stuff. You can kind of wing it on the fly. And so 
Our topic today is asking for help. Sounds like mm-hmm. a simple type thing, but I don't know about you. I find people with ADHD, they're reluctant to ask for help. Your experience? Um, most humans are reluctant to ask for help. <laughs> most humans in the modern world, of in the Western world. Yeah. Why do you no, think, I think people you, with ADD struggle with it a lot, but yeah. most people do. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think, you know, on the macro level, whether it's parents or kids or adults with ADD, without, like, we don't want help because we don't want to need it. Right. We think we, uh-huh. we live in a society that tells us we should be able to do things on our own and we should pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and be independent and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and so we don't want, to, you know, we don't want to need help because we don't want to need it. We want to feel like we're self-sufficient and somehow we feel like it's a weakness if we ask for help, I think. You know, I get very funny, like, you know, like, I'll ask them, you ask for help, and like, well, you know, I, I really don't want to ask for help. I, you know, I want to be able to do this on your own. And, and like my kind of go-to response is, did you have breakfast? They go, yeah. Did you grow the chicken? Right. <laughs> did you grow the feed? Did you ship it? Did you slaughter? Oh, by the way, did you build the oven? Oh, and where'd you cook it in? Oh, my refrigerator. Like, I start going through this kind of stuff, and like, do you realize there's not really anything you can do in this world where you don't need some type of help? You know what I'm saying? And exactly. it's funny because my example is my example is I don't cut my own hair and I don't do my own taxes. And <laughs> like, you know, it's very simple. I do what I do well, and I try to get help for the things I don't do well because it's a better use of my time and energy and stress and all of that. And, and you, you know, know, it's 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 funny because when I look at this topic. There's, there's a few things that are interesting to me, and I want to talk about the executive – hell, let's just talk about the executive function side of it. Is, you know, more and more, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people, ADHD is an executive function and impairment, and I'm emphasizing impairment needs accommodation. My eyesight is impaired. I wear glasses as an accommodation. If I do that, I can read. I can achieve my potential. You know what I'm saying? Because I think part of the problem is people really don't want to have ADHD, but let's go back to it as an impairment. You know, you know, I do a lot. I'm a big fan of Russell Barclays, and I've been studying ADD longer. And it's really interesting as I dig deeper and deeper and deeper into that model, I'm beginning to realize, you know, ADHD is far more of a thinking impairment when most people realize. And, you know, the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is if you got to go figure it out on your own, you got to go on your own and you got to go figure it out, which means you got to think. As an aside, you know what a synonym for planning is? Thinking. Synonyms for time management, thinking. <laughs> Synonyms for prioritization, think. Uh-oh, there seems to be a pattern here. And that notion of going out there and doing it on your own requires a lot of thinking, and that's hard. And, you know, people, when stuff's hard emotionally, you want to escape, and you end up on, on, on something else. And so, you know, from an executive function perspective, the do-it-yourself, like going out there learning. Now, if you're learning something that's exciting, there's nothing better than that big aha that kind of comes to you. But learning how to get the printer to work when it's not intuitive. I mean, I think, I don't know about you, but I just want to throw up. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, let's go recreate the wheel again and again and again. (laughs) Like when you, when I hear you say it that way, it just sounds so absurd because why would you want to do what someone else has already figured out? If it's not like, now if you want to find a more interesting, creative, clever whatever way to do it because you're interested in it that's a whole other story but otherwise why why do why does it really matter if you find a better way 
I think you need to find your way. Yep. And, and one of the challenges, I think, in the ADD realm is that there's this tendency for people who are trying to be helpful to offer advice rather than help and think that they're being helpful and they're offering help, but they're offering advice that's not necessarily the best advice for the person who needs the help. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> You know, that's the thing about you. Every time you come on, it splinters off into all kinds of things. So let's – okay. So we've got advice, <laughs> right? Right. Because there's advice and then sharing your experience. Well, I want, that's a topic. I want to talk, come back, too, to you know, observation in a second. But yeah. let's just – when it comes to executive function, um, having to figure out things all on your own requires you to think. And, again, if, if, if people listening to this don't think I'm absolutely crazy, but go back and, and listen. Even go back and Google Attention Talk Radio GPS. And Dr. Barkley and I are doing an interview talking about working memory, and we talk about how paper is actually high-tech for people with ADHD. And if you really listen to the interview, we start talking about how thinking is really, really difficult. So the fundamental is – Yeah, you and I did one on paper. As well, yeah, I believe. So fundamentally, yeah. it requires executive function to figure out all this stuff on your own. It's impaired. So that's the first argument. Why not get accommodation? The second thing is, you know, one of the things that I learned over the years, like when you're coaching people, you discover stuff that like, you know, whatever. I was coaching this woman. We were talking about shame. And I said, mm. what do you mean shame? She said, that's a therapy thing. I said, well, no, it depends. I'm like, tell me, what, what do you, what's the deal? She said, well, like the other day, I asked a guy how to buy a car. And he told me. And I felt shame. And I said, well, why do you ask him how to buy a car? Why don't you just ask him what his experience is? She said, what? Yeah, you, you ask him to buy a car. He gives you advice. You're feeling shame because you're not doing it. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you'd have to do it that way. Now, you can ask him what's his experience, and you can like, oh, I like that. I'll take a couple. Like, I like that tip, that tip, and I can do it on my own. But a lot of times people are being told advice, which does two things. Number one, you can be intimidated. But number two, it narrows your focus. It blinds you. When somebody gives well, you advice, it's like that way. Well, and, and so if you – so this goes to how people think, back to your thing, right? Yep. When people process information that's external to them, that's thinking, and they get to vote on it and decide, do I like it or not? Do I agree with it or not? When, when you ask people a question and they answer it, now it's no longer thinking, it's insight, it's awareness. And they're going to have a different ownership of that awareness than they will if it's external information. So part of the problem with advice is that it's, it's a direction, and people yes. are kind of resistant to direction. We don't want someone to control us. We want to come up with our own insight or understanding or awareness or acceptance. Right? Yeah. Everybody who's listening, you came to this because the topic is asking for help. And we're, we're, I know we're getting a little complicated, but just bear with us here. Emotional regulation is an executive function. And when you're being controlled or directed, you have an immediate defense mechanism because even though they exactly. might be coming in peace, but you have a reflexive reaction to fight back. It's not conscious. It just kind of happens automatically. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. there's, there's that piece of it that's in there. So you know, we're kind of framing this out. As we got into this executive function impairment, and to do everything on your own means you're trying to do more with your executive function that's impaired that makes it difficult. Now, earlier we were talking about how there's really not a whole heck of a lot you can do without yourself, and I want to I introduce this concept of observation. You know, in the scientific world, we make factual observations. We're looking for facts, like what is. And then I'm starting to coin this other thing. There's the dark side of observation, kind of like a Star Wars thing where we go to our feelings and our beliefs as if they're facts. And yeah. earlier I was alluding to, like, I asked people, well, you know, 
you want to do it on your own, well, what do you have for breakfast, right? Because I'm trying to direct them to the observable fact is, is if you take a look at the facts, is that there's not really much that you can do on your own. The dark side is when you go into these belief systems that you're supposed to be able to do it on your own, and people with ADHD get mm-hmm. caught up in that stuff sometimes, and they get lost, and they turn that into belief systems, and they kind of like paint themselves into a corner where they kind of can't get out, which is also kind mm-hmm. of a reflexive reaction. I mean, this goes back to, again, the emotional reaction that's taken to put in there, which is an executive function. So this is starting to really well, sound like an executive function problem. Well, and what, what's coming up for me as I'm hearing you saying it, right, is you asked earlier, why don't people ask for help? Well, part of it is they don't want to need it. Part of it is they don't want to feel judged. They don't want to, mm-hmm. they don't want to, they want to feel safe. They want to feel trusting. They don't want to feel judged. And what you're talking about, that reflexive reaction, leads people to feel judged. So if someone's offering me help, that must mean something's wrong with me or I'm insufficient in some way. If I interpret mm-hmm. it that way, then I'm going to get defensive or I'm going to, I'm going to start beating myself up or, you know, I'm going to react in a bunch of ways that are not helpful because I've taken a simple offer and I've reinterpreted it through this kind yep. of warped lens of self-judgment and self-trust. <laughs> I don't want to need it. Yep. I, you must think there's something wrong with me. Therefore, you must be controlling me. Touche, touche. So we're going to hold that. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of self-regulation in here that we're going to kind of talk about after we come back from the break. And we mm-hmm. are going to go to the break. Um, for our, our listeners out there, Elaine Taylor Kloss, we've known each other for 15, 16 years. I love her, her, love her work. Um, you can learn more about her and everything they do at impactparents.com. Um, a lot of great stuff. Um, we're going to go to a break here. Our secret word is asking. And um, one of our longtime advertisers, Time Timer, I want to emphasize they've got a great tool to help you with what I call clock math, right? For those that have executive function impairment, the clock math is it's like a shortcut. It helps you manage time a little bit easier. So I'll leave with that, and after that, we'll be right back with these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Are you a parent of a child, teen, or young adult with ADHD? If you're like us, you're always looking for something you can do that will really help your kids. Impact Parents gives you the tools with guidance so you can empower your kids so they can learn to manage their own lives. For confidence in parenting and peace in your home, download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools. Go to impactparents.com slash parentADHD for the guidance you've been seeking. That's impactparents.com slash parentADHD. Start making things better for your family today. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're having a spirited conversation with Elaine Taylor-Kloss of Impact Parents around asking for help. Um, you notice our conversation is really centered around executive functions, which, by the way, we talk about executive functions, but I'm on this quest to help people understand. It is a collection of mind tools that you use to solve problems. It's a collection of tools that you use to solve problems. A plan is the result of executive function, but you have like self-awareness, you have emotional self-regulation, you've got a self-restraint, visual imagery, you've got all these things that are kind of happening in order for you to kind of get – you'll notice is that we keep coming back to like emotional regulation and self-awareness and observation here, so there's a common theme here. Um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about like, like just emotional self-regulation, but before we get into that um, – I'm a knucklehead out there, and I was fortunate enough to get to go to college on a swimming scholarship, which is kind of cool because it affords you, like, unlimited tutors. And I believe that it was my second semester – first semester of sophomore year at Indiana University. I had the highest tutoring bill on campus. And here's where I'm going with this is, <laughs> is – it was like, from an observation perspective, why am I doing this the hard way? Like – at the time, I embraced it. Like, I'm like, hell, I'm going to get some help. Like, I had a calculus teacher that was so confusing. I'd like, I just went to my tutor, and I would sit there, and I would go into the class, and she would confuse me. I'd say, like, don't think about it, don't, because I had to go for pop quizzes. And, but I'm like, why am I doing this the hard way? Like, it's there, right? Now, that being said, there was a research study done years ago at North Carolina, University of North Carolina, that they went out and they took a look at all the kids that were coming out of high school that had IEPs and 504 plans. Now, this is everybody, not just people with ADHD. And they tracked that, and of those people, 22% of them actually sought services at the disabilities office at, at university. And the conclusion was, as Elaine had said further, this crowd, young adults, they didn't want to need help. And and there's that aversion, which is also funny because I did an interview years ago with Dr. Ari Tuckman. He said, you know, hey, you know, asking for help is a sign of maturity. I'm like, ah, that's got to be me. <laughs> Dialed it all in. But we go back to the, my my feeling is, and I was lucky because I, I, I just, I don't know, I'm just an anomaly in that. I'm like, why do this the hard way? Why don't I just go get the help to actually kind of make that easier, uh, which is a bit of a rarity. But um, where we're kind of coming around, where we left off is – You'll notice, everyone, we're talking about doing it on your own requires executive function, okay? If you make the observations, right, it, it, it help is kind of needed, and there's this judgment thing. So there's this emotional side, and I'm not so sure people ask, don't ask for help because it's really their emotional resistance at the end of the day. It kind of makes yeah. sense, right? Well, I, yeah. I mean, you know, people, if they're stressed or they're triggered or they don't feel bought in or they don't feel like it's their agenda, they're ready to do what's being asked of them, which happens, I think, a lot more than we realize. Mm -hmm. um, that they're not feeling safe or trusting. Like, there are all these different reasons. They're going to get reactive, and if they're reactive, their executive function is not going to be accessible <laughs> <laughs> to help them out of whatever the problem is they're trying to address. We're not going to, to address. Let's talk about that for a second. What she said was brilliant. So everybody, emotions are not a part of the diagnostic criteria of ADHD. It's like a, it's criminal, but it used to be before 1968, say, but it was taken funny. out, right? <laughs> right. But when you think of it like this, emotions, I like to say, is a reflective reaction. So, you know, you're on the Serengeti plane and you're dumb enough to get out of the truck and safari and a lion comes chasing you down. In that moment, you're having a feeling of threat. You're going to fight, fight, or freeze. Understand is while you might have a thought or two, they're not rational thoughts. They're objective thoughts, and you run like hell to dive back into the truck, okay? That is an emotional reaction. 
The trick here to understand is when you are in an emotional state, your attention is actually dysregulated. It's skewed. It's you're not looking at the facts. You're looking at the feelings. And I want to emphasize that because what you said was very quick, Elaine. But emotional dysregulation dysregulates attention, and it's a cascading effect. Does that I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, well, as I'm listening to what you just the example you just gave, it's there's the rational part of our brain, and then there's the primitive part of our brain. Yes. And then there's that kind of in between. And when you are emotional, and that leads to a reaction or a triggered reaction, you're no longer operating in the part of the brain that actually reasons and plans and anticipates. And that part of the brain is like offline. Mm-hmm. And the part of the brain that's in charge is the primitive brain that says, run, <laughs> run away, <laughs> or whatever it says, right? Run or hide or cry or whatever it is, freeze. But it really is about reducing the, the freak out factor and calming down enough to be able to get back into the frontal lobe. So we can accept yep. help if we feel safe and trusting and available and if we're open to it. But if somebody's forcing it on us, it's just going to trigger us into feeling controlled. And so even mm-hmm. if they think they're being helpful, we're going to run the other direction one way or another, right? Yes. Because we're not bought in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. In our society today, do people help each other? I mean, is there a lot of help that's happening that we're not aware of? Well, so this is what I'm, I'm like, yes, people do help each other. But I think more than that, people try to force what they see as help on other people. There's this, that becomes almost coercive. Like if you've ever been uh-huh. talking to a friend and you say such and such is going on in your life and they first start with, well, let me tell you what to do or let me tell you what I, like, is preaching at, you talking to, you you know, coercing you to think or see things a certain way, that's not actually helpful anymore. And so I mm-hmm. do think people want to be helpful, but I think very often people don't know how to be helpful in a way that is really helpful that people perceive it. I mean, you know, one of the things we talk about is asking permission. Yes. And it's such a simple way to invite people to receive help is to say, would you like it? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I have an idea. Would you like to hear it? It's pretty simple. But it's a really powerful turn to give people a sense of control and agency. It does. Okay, well, let's go to break. Um, while we have the opportunity to come back, I want to kind of delve into that a little bit more because um, I think we have a fork here because what you're bringing up is really, really kind of important. And I, I want to kind of frame that stuff out. But I also want to talk about, you know, people come together to meetings and talk things through to brainstorm to actually kind of solve problems, which is around us yeah. all, but we don't necessarily realize it. But let's come back to that again. Elaine, she's brilliant. If you're listening to this and you're a parent of a complex kid, you need you, you got to go to the website and learn learn about what they what her and her partner does. It's impactparents.com. And again, a shout out if you struggle with clock math, uh, Time Timer's got a great um, cognitive shortcut for that. Our secret word tonight um, again is asking. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. 
other places give you a few tips, the ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, talking a little fast today. Welcome back, everybody, to Attention Talk Radio. We're having a spirit discussion about asking for help uh, with my good friend and peer colleague, Elaine taylor Um Before we got to the break, we, we Elaine started kind of getting into what we're calling kind of forced help. And I want to talk about this a little bit um, because I think this is really, really important on a, a lot of different issues. And then I also want to talk about how the world collaborates all the time. We, we come together mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like NASA to get a guy on the moon, you grab everybody in a room. We, we have to have help to do some of those things. And if you look around, it's all over the place, even though most people with ADHD would actually act like, you know, everybody's doing everything alone. But let's go back to this help thing. And, and I, want to, I want to take this back to executive functions is when somebody is coming to you in a directed way, it can feel threatening. And when you go to that, you can get defensive and you go to fight, fight, or freeze. So when people mm-hmm. are trying to help people with ADHD, you can be coming in earnest. But the way you're coming to them can trigger that executive function, and they will reflexively fight. But you're coming in peace. You mean really well, but that's not what actually is happening. It can kind of create a difficult dynamic. Hence, you like question, and a lot of people with ADHD, I don't think they're aware of some of that. There's also people that really are trying to force their will on people and don't realize you can't get anybody to get it. So I want to you you talk a lot about this with parents and stuff. Can you kind of like share your wisdom and knowledge in this area? Well, I mean, there's I, I think one of the insights I've had recently actually and i've been doing this for a lot of years but it just it became really clear to me that that parents you know a big complaint with parents no matter what age the kids are whether they're little kids teens or young adults is you know i gave them a system and they won't use it i did this and they won't use it or they i'm offering help and they won't go get it or they won't get accommodations or and it's it really does come down to this feeling they that that they're not feeling like it's they have any sense of agency they're feeling controlled and when we shift the language and we shift the framework so that we're enrolling and sharing an agenda and helping kids or adults whatever age feel a sense of ownership of what their what the focus is it changes everything when it's like well what if, what have you found to be helpful in the past would that be helpful for you now like a series of questions that feel more collaborative and enrolling so that that they feel like you're supporting them in what they want 
I often talk about wanting for them more than we want from them. And we think we're helping, but they experience it as wanting something from them, wanting mm-hmm. them to perform, to produce a result. And if we can so, get out of that and go back into that process and say, let's work together for you to achieve your result, it changes everything. So let me, let's, 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 she's saying the word enroll. And so I, I like to make a distinction here, like as a context is I coach a lot of people with ADHD that struggle to sell and no big deal. But mm-hmm. when you're selling somebody, okay, if you ever listen to salespeople, you're supposed to listen, but the connotation is you're going to force your will. I'm going to get an ice Eskimo to buy ice cubes, like as if you're going to get them to do something they don't want. That's pressure. And so when you're very directive and you're selling towards somebody that's there, in my business, I don't sell anybody. Somebody calls me up interested in ADHD, I say, what's your expectation on how I'm going to help you? Then I explain what I do, and I tell them lots of stories, and I just sit there. And any questions? And I wait for them to say, well, what's your program all about? Well, this is my program. And I wait, well, how much is it? And I say that. That's it. Until they say, I tell you what, I think I want to enroll in your program. You'll notice is that I'm educating them. I'm not pushing it on them. And I'm making that mm-hmm. distinction in this space is because if you're going in and you're pushing and selling and directing them, they'll be reflective. But if you just educate them and say, would you like some thoughts or you know, whatever, you're giving them the opportunity to enroll or not, which takes the pressure off and takes that reflexive reaction. Would you like to add something to that or is, does that make sense? Oh, it, it makes perfect sense to me. It's, it's not um, – nobody likes that kind of that smarmy sense that somebody's trying to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a friend or a stranger, like we all want to feel like we have some sense of control of ourselves. And and it, when you ask for help, it's very different from when someone tries to foist it upon you. Yep. And and that's that's the shift we're talking about. Really, is mm-hmm. is how do you help people? Like I often say to parents, they'll call me up. Parents will, of teenagers, especially or young adults, will call and say, "My kid needs a coach." And I'll say, well, is your, is your kid asking for help? And if the answer is no, but he needs it, <laughs> which is for some variation of that, then it's like, okay, my job is to help you learn how to have conversations with your kids to help them get to a point where they are actually willing to ask for and accept help. Because there's a skill set there. It's, it's really, it's, there's a lot of work that's involved with getting people to a point of asking for help without self-judgment, without self-blame, right? That's probably one of the most important things we can train kids to do in their lives. And we're terrible at it, so we model it terribly, right? But that's a lot of what we do sometimes is, is teaching parents how to create an environment where asking for help is not a deficit, it's a strength. It's, it's an opportunity. Yeah, so I, I, you're cracking me up. Um, I get... I, I don't. T- I don't coach teens. Uh, everyone, if I, I, listen, if an eighteen-year-old calls me Unless on their own question, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But every once in a while, I get a phone call from an eighteen-year-old. They call me. But here's the deal: I get ca- phone calls from parents all the time, like, "Hey, will you coach my son?" And I say, "You know, <clears throat> why does your kid need coaching?" They say, "Well, they're they're struggling so much." And my go-to question is, "I said, if they're if they're struggling so much, why are you calling me?" Right. And that's the. Wait a second. You're trying to get them to do this, which goes back to the the conversation. Number one, you can't help anybody unless they want help. Um, and, right. and you know, as, as yeah, an the aside, light bulb everybody, has to want to change, doctor. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? and, and, and so when that happens, it's funny because then they go, blah, 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 blah. I got this great resource. Go talk to Lane. She helps people like you with complex kids. But the, where I'm going with it is, is that is that a lot of times people are bestowing help because you love them, but you can't force help on them, which is reinforcing what Elaine's really kind of talking about. Um, and and sometimes people won't seek help because you're trying too hard to get them to get help. And asking the question yeah. is, is a little bit more. And, more. And Go ahead. Sorry, we haven't talked about this, but if we're trying too hard, it makes them feel broken. Yes. And we haven't really spelled this out, but whether it's kids or partners or spouses, if we're constantly trying to help them, it starts making them feel like, well, they must be a project. There must be something really wrong with them that they need this kind of help, right? And so there's this – it actually works at cross-purposes, the opposite of what we really wanted to achieve. Yep. All right. I'm going to shift. Okay. One of the things that I was saying earlier on the show is I don't think people realize how much ADHD is actually a thinking impairment. They see focus problems. Mm-hmm. That's it's obvious, but to me, the root cause is when thinking is difficult emotionally. You don't you want to escape discomfort, so you go to something that's more pleasurable. So, with that being said. Thomas Brown, I know you're a fan, I'm a fan. He had made a comment years ago, as the need for independent work increases, ADHD productivity decreases. Wow, mm. that's a profound statement. So then, it was interesting to me, because, you know, COVID hit, lockdown happened. You know, Elaine, I thought 60 days, I'm out of a job. I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just an ADHD coach. I mean, people aren't working, right? My phone lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I was going to say, I had, I had never worked list. so hard since. I had a wait list 15 people deep. You had to put money down to be on that. And here's the thing is everybody was sent home and everybody's calling me up. I got productivity problems. I got motivation problems. No, you don't got thinking problem because when you were sent home, you were sent home to think inside your head to solve that problem. That's the impairment. And people were not realizing is that when you're in day-to-day work environment, you're talking out loud a lot and getting information and overhearing stuff and you're learning from other people directly or indirectly you know what i'm saying and i'm using covid because you know people have gone back my waiting list has dropped substantially right because everybody's back collaborating and here's my point companies you go to meetings do you come together to brainstorm my father worked on the space program i never forget i I don't want to get into stories but i like literally he was going at night and he helped (laughs) with apollo 8 9 10 11 and when 13 had a problem, you know, everybody had to come together to brainstorm to kind of solve problems. Day to day, there's little things that you have that are problems. And if, if, again, I talk about factual observation and then the dark side of observation where you go to facts and feelings. If you look around yourself, people are getting help from other people all over the place. I mean, it's everywhere, whether you're walking in and asking a receptionist for something or you're, you know, by the way, teachers, by the way, they're there because they're supposed to make learning easier. Like that's, if we didn't have that, they wouldn't be there. They're supposed <laughs> to help you. Like I've got people like, I don't want to ask them a question because I don't want to feel stupid. Are you kidding me? I had a woman one time, she didn't want to go to the blind store because she didn't want to ask a question because she might feel stupid. Like the salespeople, they're, they're there. They want to educate you. My point really is, if you look around in our universe, everybody is, is getting help from other people. That's how we grow. And the, we come right. back to ADHD and asking for help. And I think in this conversation, one of the things that we really bubbled up is there's a lot of emotions around uh, this. What I'm hoping that today is that we've done is actually kind of help everybody realize it's emotional, but really taste a lot of factual observations that it's actually a sign of maturity. Go ask for help. In fact, we're giving you permission to. Yeah. Yeah. 
It, it, it is the single most important thing. You know, Diane and I teach a lot of tools, a lot of concepts, and a lot of frameworks. And if what I have come to over the years is if I had to pull it back and say there's only one thing you could teach your kid and nothing else, one thing, I would probably do two because I break the rules. And so there <laughs> might be some self-love and compassion in there. Um, but it would be learning to ask for and accept help. It, it is the most essential life skill for adulting. Mm. And, and if, they, if they can't ask for help, it's really hard to move forward and get almost anything done. And you can't work on a team and you're not a good employee. And, you know, like there are a million ways in which it shows up in our lives as an, a really, really critical emotional development, social and emotional maturity component of success in life. And I do think people with ADD are hardwired against it in some ways. It just makes it harder. That's a whole other show, the background on it, but I think the statement is there. So at the end of the day, everybody, you now have permission to proceed and go ask for help. And I'll even say it's a sign of maturity, so jump on the bandwagon. So any last comments before we close this out, Elaine? Oh, so many and not at all. Ask for the help you need and model it for everyone in your world. Start practicing asking for help. It's amazing how good it starts to feel. Touche. So with that, Elaine, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Everybody, check it out, impactparents.com. By the, by the way, do forward slash attention when you do that. Impactparents.com forward slash attention. Our secret word tonight is asking. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.